I went down to the river to watch the fish swim by. But I got to the river so lonesome I wanted to die. Oh, Lord. And then I jumped in the river, but the doggone river was dry. She's long gone, and now I'm lonesome blue. Hello, and welcome to Long Gone, the podcast. This is Ryan Hetzer, and uh, the namesake of the podcast being a long gone baseball movie, if you've never heard of it uh look it up check it out although it is hard to find a, a, a pretty a grainy version of it can be found on youtube so i'm joined again by my brother scott hetzer scott how are you doing good good to be back good yeah we um this is something that i did about 10 episodes by myself and none of them were nearly as enjoyable as the one that we were able to do last week it's just kind of i think the podcast format is is much more uh, meant for kind of a, a conversation between two people where, you know, it's not um, completely scripted or not really the same format of like a, what a radio show might be. It's just kind of two people talking. And um, so I really enjoyed it. We also had uh, had 52 downloads at the in the end. So that was the most of any episode I had uh, done before, previous. So anyway, thanks again for doing that. And we're going to make this at least a semi-regular thing. Uh, of course, we, our schedules and we're in different time zones and can be tough to match up. But uh, So it's been pretty busy since the time we recorded something. We have a Cardinal trade. We have a pretty uh, pretty amazing Cardinal trade rumor if, if somehow it were to come to fruition. And then just in the past couple of days, we have this cheating scandal that's just blown up on the major league scene with – of course, the decision coming down on the Astros, uh, and then now there's been even more fallout since then. So we're going to kind of rewind and, and do this a bit in order uh, since the last time we spoke. So the Cardinals made a fairly significant trade. It, there, I heard, a, I saw a couple of outlets calling it a blockbuster trade. I, it certainly wasn't a blockbuster, but Cardinals traded Jose Martinez and a Rosarina uh, for two minor leaguers in the Tampa Rays system. Uh, Liberator, Liberatore, I've heard it said both ways, is uh, a top 50 left-handed pitching prospect in all of baseball. Uh, and then a, a, a lower minor league catcher who um, isn't really a, a major prospect. They also flipped spots in the upcoming compensation draft, the upcoming competitive balance draft. So, Anyway, um, any any initial thoughts uh, or reactions to to that trade? Um, yeah, I mean, you gotta love it. I mean, <clears throat> you get a uh, get a young prospect um, for Jose Martinez and a, Rosa, a Rosarina. I mean, you, you never know what those guys are going to be, along with uh, the prospect that you got back. But he certainly has high praise. I think he's in like the 40th, I know he's in the top 50 of uh, major league prospects. So, I mean, he's a big boy, you know, he's a six, five, you know, 200 pounds. So he's, you would think, you know, that kind of sets up for him to be a pretty uh, durable 
Um, I think he kind of projects him out as a number two, possible number one starter. And you flip him for a guy, you know, Jose Martinez, that, uh, you know, he's obviously had more uh, more play in, uh, in baseball. Um, and he's a pretty good hitter, but a lot of people think, you know, that he he's more well-suited as a uh, American League player, being able to DH and that. So yeah. I think that fits, sits well for him. But Rosarina, I mean, you don't – you just sense you don't know really what kind of to go off of. You know, he's got some skill and speed and that, but to me on the surface, it looks like they uh, flipped kind of two players that for a top notch, you know, uh, league wide prospect. So I, I don't no. think you could ask for any, uh, any, any better uh, outcome. Yeah. Yeah. There are all kinds of, I mean, there are different uh, ranking systems that come out and, um, the official MLB.com pipeline website has Liberatore at 41st overall in all, you know, in all, in all of minor league baseball. Um, I like, I like to trade for three reasons. And number one, I think the, the most obvious move that was out there for the Cardinals this off season was to take, you know, some of that outfield surplus that they had uh, acquired he had all these outfielders and all of them fairly close in terms of potential and talent. And it just, it made it, it made sense to basically kill two birds with one stone where, you know, you thin out some of that outfield clutter while in return, getting some kind of asset in return that would be useful in some other area. And that's, I mean, mission accomplished. Like you, you took, you know, you were able to to clear two of your outfielders that were going to clog up the depth charts, and you turn that into you know a top fifty in all of baseball prospect. And you know, I le- I read in the recent years, I'd say the last five years, I've really kind of dove a lot deeper into the minor league kind of scouting system. I read everything I can kind of get my hands on when it comes to especially cardinal prospects. And one thing you you know always hear with evaluators is kind of this concept of floor and ceiling. You know, what's the guy's floor basically like, meaning what what's the minimum that he's most likely to achieve no matter what, and then what's the ceiling? What's what's the if everything were to go perfectly right? And when you look at the guy I mean, Liberatore, it's pretty universal that I mean his ceiling is like you said as a number two or even a number one type starter. And if you can flip an area where you had depth in the outfield uh, into a potential number one, number two starter, that that's a no-brainer type of move, I think. Now, the other two reasons, um, I, I think that there have been the Cardinals have been guilty uh, a few times here or there of not really maximizing a player's trade potential. They kind of wait, and then when the when the player is at is uh, has the highest trade value. They, they kind of, you know, they get cautious and they don't trade them. And then at a point when they are willing to trade them, the, that trade value has gone down. I think in this case, uh, they were able to really maximize the trade value of uh, Martinez to a certain degree, although I think most big league clubs kind of know what he is. But a, Rosa, yeah. a Rosarina, even more so, because I think a Rosarina's that trade value probably never was going to be higher than it was this off season. He hit, you know, something like 370 in the minor leagues last year. Um, you know, a lot of 
so so I think that's the number two reason. And then the last one is just, you know, over the course of the offseason, I've I've gone roundabout so often with these outfielders and just kind of which ones do I really like, which ones do I believe in, which ones do I think. And on um, the way the trade went down, at least on Twitter, the Liberator's name was attached early. I mean, they, there was somebody, a national writer, that came out and said, you know, Cardinals – have acquired uh, Matthew Liberatore. And then it was like a two hour or three hour window before the full package was, and, and kind of something happened in that time frame where there was one point where the Tyler O'Neill's name was attached. And it kind of allowed me to realize that I have a lot of anticipation and a lot of belief in what Tyler O'Neill can accomplish. Because when I heard his name potentially attached, my reaction was like, not good. I just felt like, oh man, you know, I, I think to give him up, I really, so I didn't before, you know, before thinking he might be gone, it's sort of one of those things where you don't know what you have till it's gone. Before thinking he might've been traded, I was, you know, you could have talked me into a Rosarina being maybe even uh, perhaps a more dynamic and more athletic player and, and some of the other guys as well. But then, when I had when I had to actually consider the idea that O'Neill might be in the trade, it it didn't sit well with me. So, I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm glad that you know they made the trade without having to include O'Neill. So, those three reasons I, I like it. Yeah, no, and um, with O'Neill, it's it's hard to find just raw power. Yeah, you know, and that was that's what he brings to the table. I mean, you know, you don't know what he can uh, power wise. You know. Um, it's just it's just hard to just find that. Yeah. Um, also, with um, Libertor, you know, you're getting a cost control pitcher now, and if he does turn out to be a two or a one, it's even better for the Cardinals because um, the, what's the one thing you know major league teams want? They want cost controlled players, especially at pitching. Yeah, pitching is the most you know could be uh, said it's probably the most expensive position to fill. And you got, you know, 12, uh, 11, 12 of them on, on a team. So anytime you can get a guy of that caliber, um, cost controlled and don't have to go out and spend, you know, $300 million on a, on a free agent pitcher when this guy could uh, possibly be, be the next one of those, you know, that's, that's better for everyone. So yeah, it was a, it was a great deal. Um, we kind of were given a little bit of trouble for Cardinals not having much action, but man, things have, uh, really turned around after this uh, move and then, you know, possible, you know, all the, all the rumors going around a certain Colorado. (laughs) Well, that's a great transition. Uh, So let's go ahead and go with that. Um, Arenado, the, it was a early part of this past week. um, And I kind of, again, I'm going on sort of the Twitter uh, activity that, there seemed to be a fair amount of noise that, that talks were progressing. You had a report coming out that names were being exchanged, although I had some other people kind of laughing at that because, you know, if you're talking about a trade, of course you're also talking about names. Like So to say that names are being exchanged maybe isn't such a big deal, but uh, kind of enough noise to where you – you could almost talk yourself into the idea that maybe something was in the works. Uh, and then uh, Thursday, Friday, and into the weekend, I think it's 
I think we're getting into Cardinal winter warm up. Is it this weekend or? I believe it is. Yeah. yeah. I believe it is. Anyway, not that that would stop a deal from happening, but it just seems like the last couple days things have cooled down and calmed down. Um, such complexities to a deal like this. Um, I'll just kind of try to compartmentalize my thoughts and then see see what, what you think. But I, I think what probably the difficulty in the talks right now, if they are seriously talking about Arenado, which I think there's enough smoke to think that there's some fire. But I think the Rockies probably want a package that's based on a team having Nolan Arenado for, for the next seven years, because that's the full length of his contract. Whereas the Cardinals are probably more offering a package that says, Hey, this guy can opt out after two more seasons. Uh, we could, we could be losing him. He could opt out of his contract. And those are obviously much different packages in terms of what you give up in a trade. Uh, now, there's also no trade clauses all over the place. Uh, Arenado has one, Carpenter and Fowler, although a lot of people want to include Carpenter and Fowler uh, in a deal when they start talking about uh, a potential, what it would look like. I, I don't know. I just, if I'm the Rockies, I don't, I don't really want I mean, keep your carpenter and follower. I want young, like you were just saying, I want young cost control pitchers. I want Nolan Gorman. Um, I don't know if I really want Matt Carpenter. I'm, I'm part of the reason I would make a trade is to shed uh, or Arenado's contract. So anyway, um, so I think getting back to, yeah, I think that could be the sticking point in the deal is just, um, you know, sort of the Cardinals looking at it as, well, we only know for sure we're going to have them for two years and the Rockies saying for seven. The other quick thing, and then I'll throw it to you. Uh, I, I kind of, the more I think about this, I'm, I've kind of talked myself more into the idea that if, if the Rockies are serious about moving Arenado, that they very well may wait until the trade deadline because right now uh, it's sort of telling their fans that 2020 is – is is being uh, forfeited, so so to speak, in terms of the pennant race, and uh, they could still, if they were to wait till closer to the trade deadline, and if they're out of the race at that point, they could still get a very good haul for Arenado, and kind of sell it more to the fans that well, you know, he's probably going to opt out after another year anyway, and uh, we, you know, at that point in time, we're, you know, we'll get the package we can get for him, so. A lot of different angles to take that. So wherever you want to take it, go ahead and response. Yeah, my my feelings on this whole thing is I kind of talking out both sides of my mouth a little bit because you know the last time we talked, I'm saying you know I don't understand what the Cardinals are doing. They got to make a move. They got you know a glaring need, either an outfield spot or a third base. And then all of a sudden this pops up. So you're you would think you know right away you're like yeah I'm all in, but. I'm kind of, I don't know. He he's a he's a great player, but that opt out is a big big worry for me, and I can I would imagine it is for the Cardinals too. I mean, uh, it's one thing if he doesn't have that, and you know you can give up a you know give up a haul, but you know you're having him for the next six seven years. But with the opt out, I mean. You, do you want to give up that 
that much talent. And maybe this is where the car, you know, the, the Rockies and the Cardinals are, are at a sticky point or a stalemate is that, you know, the Cardinals are saying, or Mosellock is like, hey, you want, you want all these top, top prospects, but I'm only, you know, getting a guaranteed two years with this player that I'm trying to get. So, I don't know. I'm pretty, uh, I'm kind of, I'm kind of back and forth on it. I mean, obviously the, the talent is, uh, is unquestionable, but just, man, just the, uh, just the uh, chance of only having them for two years and then uh, having that just go away, that's, that's the biggest sticking point to me. And also you people have to also realize that you're not going to get, or most likely not going to get the same guy in St. Louis that he is in Colorado. I mean, there is going to be some drop off. Yeah. You play in Colorado, your numbers are going to be inflated. And is, if you look at his, uh, his splits home and away, it's, you know, yeah, it's pretty clear that there is a, there is a major difference in, in the home road splits. So that gives me a little pause too, but you know, the, my biggest thing is the, is the two year after two years opt out and boy, that's just a, that would be a huge hit to give up, you know, several prospects. Um, and then only, you know, have a guy take off after two years. Yeah. Unless the car, it, I don't and I don't know. I don't know if there's something they can, and he has a no trade clause too. You haven't yeah. even heard from him on this. So yeah. he could be sitting back going, well, you guys can talk all you want, but I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. I saw, you know, for whatever, I don't even remember. I can't cite my source even. But I did see something where uh, that there was a f- kind of feeling that he would waive it for the Cardinals, and it intrigues him that there's a relationship with Goldschmidt that goes back to, um, they, I guess they had played together on uh, World Baseball Classic team. But okay. um, it was, it you know, again, it's just noise. Uh, the bigger thing is I, I don't even know how this works with, you may not even as, as a baseball club be able to enter into this kind of discussion until you actually have the player. But obviously if the Cardinals were to be able to get Arenado to it was, you know, as part of a contract reworking, if you could have him waive the opt opt out to base and maybe throw a little bit of extra money onto it to, to kind of sweeten the deal that that does as you're saying i mean it makes a much bigger difference if you know i mean he's only 29 if you know you have him you know for the next 7 years which technically would be some of the prime years of his career you're much more willing to give up a, a premium package so i don't know but like i said i don't know all the rules of collective bargaining agreement and uh major league contracts i mean i doubt that the cardinals probably wouldn't be able to even approach that with Arenado until they actually had him on their team. Um, now I guess there are back channels you could go through and stuff like that, but with agents and, and everything, but um, anyway, so it's, it's just, yeah. it's tough to exactly know, you know, we're obviously, we're just kind of throwing out opinion and, and scenarios, um, you know, sticking point. We've talked about money built, you know, the Cardinals organization, not wanting to go over that luxury tax, you know, maybe the Cardinals are saying, hey, if, if we're going to take on Arenado, we have to unload, you know, a Carpenter or yeah. a Fowler. So, I don't know. It, yeah, I agree with you. It doesn't make sense for them to want that. Why, you know, why do we want that? But maybe the Cardinals are looking at it. Um, there's one guy I want to mention. Yeah. Um, kind of a, not real well known, I don't think, but man, I found him on Twitter and you go back through his timeline and he has been spot on about a lot of stuff. Um, as far as um, 
his sources sure. and uh, him calling out stuff before it actually happens. It's at uh, Incarcerated Bob. Uh-huh. Uh, and I don't know if you've heard of him or not. I have. I have, yeah. He had a thing last night. Cardinals Rockies trade talks are gaining slightly more steam in the last 48 hours. Expected expectations from both clubs is for talks to continue exploratory nature. Um, Nolan Arenado has no trade clause and still hasn't expressed to his agent one where, uh, here's kind of the interesting part though. It does say from his source, uh, Rockies seem like they want four to five premium players. What I can grasp is as of right now is they've agreed on only on two names um, so if that's the case, and like I said, this guy has seemed to, uh, been spot on many, many times. If they've, have they got two names they agreed on, but they but the Rockies are still wanting another two or three. I mean, that, that seems like that could be, a could be a long way off. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's gonna, it's gonna take a while. I don't think this is gonna happen overnight. If, if by his information is, is correct. Let me, uh, let's do a quick little exercise here. And then we'll move ahead on this topic because we can probably go round yeah, about all. Yeah, I mean, there's. I think, I think both of us are in agreement that I mean, my God, like just the idea of Nolan Gorman playing third base in a Cardinal uniform. I'm sorry, Nolan Gorman, Nolan Arenado playing third base in a Cardinal uniform uh, is big time exciting. And you kind of there's part of you, I think that both of us that would say like, whatever it takes, go ahead and do it. Um, but yeah. Um, then if it's only going to be two years, there's that whole, uh, element, but the, the exercise I'm going to give you, I'm going to, I'm the Colorado Rockies GM. I don't even know his name, but, uh, I'm going to give you a package of players and you tell me if you, you're going to give those to me. And let's say, you know, in this scenario, there's, you don't know about the opt-out. Basically, you're you're trading for him. Yeah, I'm operating on the premise that I'm getting him for seven years. Yeah. So I'm going to ask for uh, Kisner, which, you know, obviously that's your top, top catching prospect, Andrew Kisner. Uh, I want Nolan Gorman, who is the number two prospect in the Cardinal system behind Dylan Carlson. He's a power-hitting third baseman. Um, I want – Either Helsley or Liberator. Yeah, I'll let you choose between the two which one you want to give me, but I want either Helsley or Liberator, and I want O'Neill. That's it. Um yeah, I would I think I'd do that. Yeah. I think I would be uh before that. You know, under the premise, like we said, that you're getting them for the full term. Yeah. Then yeah, I would uh I'd be where, where do I work? You know, what's the fax number? Where do we send? Where do we yeah, send? I mean, I think like it's it's so hard these these deals to to predict, and you know, not being an insider in the industry. I mean, neither of us are baseball executives, but you kind of try to. I'm trying to just envision what a deal could look like, and I mean, in that deal that I proposed, the Rockies are getting uh, three pretty high potential offensive players or or position players, you know, with Kisner, with Gorman, and with Tyler O'Neill. I mean, those are all – and then, you know, you're also picking up Helsley or Liberator, which, I mean, those are two of the – probably the two top Cardinal pitching prospects right now. 
My, um, my only my only uh, thing off that though, and I know like we said, we can keep going back and forth, but I have a feeling that the Rockies would probably be asking for more pitching. Yeah, because I believe you referenced three three bats and one pitcher, correct? Um, yeah. I have a feeling, you know, what if you flip it and say, you know, they say we want Hudson, Libertor, you know, Kisner, and you know what I'm saying. I mean, I, I have a feeling it's it just seems like nowadays it's yeah. the teams they and rightfully so they're going to want pitching, and you know, what if they ask for two pitchers instead of you know? So it, it, it can be tough, but yeah, you know, yeah. you're. I kind of just I, I did come up with that on the fly, but yeah, I mean, right, because it could be more pitching intensive where it's. Hudson, and then that same thing, either Libertor or Helsley, maybe Kisner, and then even another pitcher because the Cardinals do have a couple other pretty intriguing uh, young arms in their system. That I think, uh, I think pitching for teams is a little bit harder to let go of. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, even what if there's even kind of some crazy names like, well, what if the Rockies said, hey, you know, why don't you throw Alex Reyes on top of it just as a as a deal sweetener or some, some kind of thing like that, where um, the Cardinals would be, you know, I mean, obviously Alex Reyes has been hurt for two years, but at the same time, do you really, are you ready to give up on him? Um, kind of yeah. you know, with all that's, the potential he has. Yeah. It's, it's tough. I, I don't, I, yeah. It's, yeah. But we're operating on the premise that it's, you know, you're getting the full thing and in reality, you know, you're really not. So yeah. then you're probably, you're probably not going to do something like that, you know, with Reyes on top and all the extra pitchers with, with only uh, two years of, you know, knowing that you're going to have. So it's. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, let's, um, we're at 26 minutes. I'm going to, we're going to, you and I will take a brief pause for those listening. It'll, will basically be coming right back at you. And we're going to get into, um, the, cheating stuff, uh, electronic signaling, all that. Um, and then hopefully if we have time, we'll get into a couple other quick topics. So we'll be right back at you. Okay. So we're moving on now to the big major league baseball news of uh, the past uh, week or so. First, the decision comes down on the Houston Astros, uh, based mainly on just sort of the trash can banging and the, the video, of surveillance with the trash can banging and all that. And my God, since then, it's hard to even keep track of the falling dominoes. I mean, there were the initial suspensions of um, the general manager, Lunau, the manager, Hinch. Uh, then, of course, the Houston organization fired those two guys um, in the wake of everything. Then, as the week went on, uh, Alex Cora resigned after being implemented in the the issue from the Red Sox. You had Carlos Beltran resign. And then uh, you start having all this um, additional stuff come out about players wearing uh, wires, basically wires uh, tapped, taped, um, taped to parts of their body where they were getting signals the um i'm gonna start off real quick with i just think it does make sense to me that i never bought the idea that the astros won a world series in 17 with this trash can system and then what are they gonna do just say oh you know we're good we won a world series let's let's go back to to playing it straight like i just 
that, that logic behind that never fit for me. So uh, the fact that they found a better way to do it, uh, a way with a little bit more of a technological advancement, a way that might have been a little more subtle, it's not surprising at all to me. And uh, certainly there's a lot of different ways we can take this discussion, but I'll just kind of, I gave my little initial synopsis there and I'll just let you go ahead and we'll, 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 we'll flow with it from here. <laughs> well, it's, it's just, you know, there's a line in everything and every facet of life. There's a line that um, you can go up to and, you know, you just shouldn't cross it. And the next level is kind of where Houston took it. And I, I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure Houston is not the only team that's doing this. I think this is a, probably a widespread thing. Um, there's been other teams, um, you know, saying that they've done it. Um, I think baseball knew about it. I think other teams knew about it. Just kind of like the steroid era. You know, I think a lot of people knew what was going on. But, you know, once it gets outed and then it's in the public, then, you know, then they got to they gotta tackle it head on. And I think, I think the, that's what happened with this. I think, you know, a lot of teams, not just maybe Houston was the one that kind of was the took it over the line, but I, I'm, I'm sure most, a lot of other teams are doing certain stuff like this. I mean, ever since baseball, the beginning of baseball, there, there's always guys, players, coaches, managers that are trying to get an edge. Yeah. But in, in my opinion on this, it, it just took it. It just seems like it just went over the line. It's not like you got, you know, you know, guy in the dugout that can just look at signs and pick them up and pick up, uh, um, you know, little things that they're doing that you can uh, take advantage of. I mean, when you're taking video, live video feed and, uh, you know, banging trash cans or, you know, have having buzzers taped to you and it says, hey, here, Altuve, here comes a fastball. You know, it's it's just it's just kind of it's just crossed that line. It's crazy. I, I think it's pretty uh, I think it's pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely a bad look. Um so, nope. I mean, there's even been videos, you know, Altuve, when he hit the walk-off uh, this past off season, he was running back to home plate, and he's holding his jersey yeah. saying, don't tear it off, don't tear it off. I mean, no, that was, can you imagine they tear his jersey off and he's just like he's wearing a wire? I mean, it's just crazy. That it. was wild video where he's coming around third. And, I mean, it's just – I don't see how Major League Baseball can can ignore it, um, even after what they've already done. And we'll get into some of that here in a moment, but – to see him coming around third base and he's just screaming out, you know, don't tear the shirt off, don't tear the shirt off. And I mean, what, why would he care? What, why would he specifically be thinking of that in that moment after hitting a walk-off home run? Um, It's, it's yeah. So uh, I think clearly, like you said, there's a line and, you know, if you have a savant in the dugout that can sit there and look at a pitcher and he's part of your coaching staff, or he's a player on your team, and he can look at a pitcher and know, ex- you know, exactly what he's going to throw. Um, hell, I don't even care if you hire a psychic or something that's you know part of your <laughs> part of your major league staff and can look out there. And but you know, when you go the way of technology uh, and what they were doing, it, it it's definitely you're you're upsetting the balance of the competitive nature of the game, and that's. You know, the, the whole reason that people love sports so much is it's supposed to be sort of the, the ultimate reality TV. It's pure. You you don't know 
what's going to happen uh, at any given moment. Uh, an upset can happen. A team that's not supposed to win can win. Uh, and when you when you screw with that, I think it's tough for people. It's tough for fans to to understand. To yeah, it's. Uh, well, and, and just from a ba- real, just from a baseball, no, just from a baseball standpoint, like you, uh, I wanted to say this before you and I know. I mean, guys that have been around the game and played the game, knowing what pitch is going to come is huge. Like, I mean, you can make the you can make the argument that it's more uh, more of an advantage than taking steroids, and steroids obviously dominated the the landscape of the game, and it's been, of course. Uh, a huge issue that people have looked back on in the, an era that, but I mean, if you're taking steroids, you still got to square the ball up. You still have to, you know, hit, hit the ball deep and hit it high. And you have to make contact against the 95, 96 mile hour fastball with a slider and all that. But when you know what's coming, especially a breaking pitch, I mean, the, 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 the hitting, I mean, the whole, the old axiom of hitting is, you know, look fastball adjust to, to the breaking ball. So, I mean, the fastball, a lot of guys, they're, going to go up there kind of thinking fastball and then they're adjusting. But when you know ahead of time that it's going to be a breaking ball or a changeup, I mean, that that's huge. Well, not only knowing, but then you, you take that knowledge and then put into these guys that are, you know, world-class players, George Springer. these guys are, you know, some of the best ball players in, in the game. And then you give them that knowledge on top of it. I mean, <laughs> That's just yeah. I mean, it's just crazy. So, um, and also, I wanted to say real yeah. quick too. You know, video is, it's twenty twenty. These every team has video. You know, guys get done with an at bat, they go down underneath the thing, and, and right away, boom, they got their pitch pitch sequence. Yeah. These players can watch. They can say, okay, on two and one, this guy threw this pitch. What did I see here? Yeah. They can do the video. Even if you pick up stuff that that way, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, every team. But man, when you got live feeds going into the dugout and and uh, you know wires hooked on players, that that's just yeah, that's definitely <laughs> taking it taking it over overboard for yeah. sure. Now it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, you know, Major League Baseball and all this, and you know, I think a lot of people were embarrassed by the way that it all went down with the steroid era and kind of like you said, people, you know, industry insiders knew what was going on, but. And now you have this scenario again where, uh, you know, black eye against the game to a certain extent. And I I just wonder, because part of the criticism I heard right away when the first decision came down is that, well, what about the players? You know, none of the players were punished. Um, They just kind of get off free. And my initial reaction was, well, you know, I kind of understand that because how do you pinpoint who exactly was doing it? How do you... How do you say, well, this these four players did it, but then these three didn't? And even from a competitive standpoint, like how are – I mean, can you really take, let's say, five of the starting players of the Astros and suspend them for 50, yeah. 50 games or something? I, I'm So I kind of understood it at the beginning. But now, I mean, if there's evidence that this continued past 2017 and, and furthermore that these guys are now wearing wires and – you know, you've got the Saltuve uh, evidence and video, and, and you know Bregman. They had I saw something where he's kind of in a press conference, almost kind of making a reference or joking about the fact that they know what pitches are coming, or 
Yeah, he's. I think he hit a. I think he hit a home run, and he said something like, "It's almost like I knew it was coming." Yeah, kind, kind of with a, like a, a kind of had like a smirk on his face. Yeah. And they're going to go back and say, "Oh, well, I just said that because any because guys, you know, we were being accused of different stuff." But I mean, the so what I'm what I'm kind of I, I reason one of the reasons why the what I read is that the players were not punished as well as it has to do with the union that basically, you know, when, when you want to talk about suspending players, that's something that goes, you know, basically is negotiated through collective bargaining to where, you know, the players union, they were a part of and agreed upon like the different suspensions that are currently in place for PEDs. I mean, that was something that the players union agreed upon. So if a guy gets popped, for 50 games or a hundred games or whatever for doing PEDs, that's something that the players union has, has already agreed to. They know that, you know, that's, that's the punishment that fits the crime. But with this thing, it's uncharted territory and that major league baseball basically like is kind of has their hands tied that they can't necessarily go through and start suspending guys for, for something that they, that isn't in the collective bargaining agreement that the players union hasn't had, any kind of say on. Um, so that's complicating this whole thing too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's, uh, it's wild. Some of the, I mean, it's an everyday, some of the videos and, the, you know, and then, and then players just coming out now all of a sudden, just like going nuts. It's just like telling everything. I think there was a report. <laughs> someone said that Mike Trout. Now this is allegedly, I don't know this for sure, yeah. obviously, but I know what you're going to say. Now that Mike, Mike Trout, uh, you know, is has is able to take HGH through some loophole. Yeah. Uh, it's it, it, and then then I think uh, I forget the pitcher came out and said that Tony Tony Larusso was doing this back in the day. Yeah, Jack McDowell signs. Jack McDowell, yeah. It's just been it's just been wild. Uh, Although all this stuff, people just you know yeah. out everybody right now. I read the same thing about Trout, but the one thing I know I did see something a follow up on the McDowell thing that was weird is that. They said he didn't come up to the to the White Sox until like the year after Larusa ended his tenure as manager. So that seemed kind of a weird report. But yeah. um, and then I actually saw a comment from Schilt where he's like, "I can promise you that Tony Larusa, you know, competed in the the most honorable way and whatever." So I don't. I, well, I, Schilt was on. Uh, I don't know if you caught this. Schilt was on Camel X, and they asked him, you know, and basically flat out he said you know they are they were are aware that teams do this team that uh that this is going on yeah and basically said you know did we think about it yeah we did but we sided on the you know on the side of you know that's just kind of over the line and that's not what we're going to be about you know not to try and sound like a cardinal's honk but yeah. you got to take him at his uh his word and you know that it's something that they i'm sure they did think about you know they're playing baseball against these other teams with that huge of an advantage against them, and you know they're probably thinking, "Oh, why don't we do this?" You know, when we're at home too. But yeah, yeah it's. Uh, I know I keep saying it, but it's, it's just crazy. Yeah. Just all the stuff and the, the length they've gone gone to 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 cheat. I suppose. Um, I suppose the big question now, maybe we'll we'll sort of leave this question in the air and, and try to move on to at least one more topic before we finish up for today. But uh, what is there going to be another investigation? I mean, I guess that's because 
you know, obviously there was this, I don't know, however many month long investigation that they did uh, seemingly focused on 2017, you know, does major league baseball relaunch an investigation into the, you know, this electronic signaling um, accusations that are going on. Uh, And then of course, if they do, you know, then, you know, what are they going to find? One last, I, I had a, thought along these lines uh, out of the guys who have been implemented directly um, I think Jose Altuve is clearly the the guy who would potentially profile most as a possible Hall of Fame player down the road uh, the a lot of voters have made it clear that they're not going to vote for PED users uh, do you think this keeps Jose Altuve out of the Hall of Fame that's probably oh, a much too I, early question to ask because we don't have all the details, but I'm going to ask it to you anyway. Oh, I didn't even. Uh, it's actually the first time I thought about that. I don't know why when you when you bring uh, cheating into it with the, but it's a, you know a perfect uh, transition uh, to, to think about. But I don't know why I haven't. Boy, I don't. That's a good. That's a great question. That I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I I would think. Well, with some of these baseball writers, the way they've gone about the PEDs, you would have to think that they would hold it against them. Yeah, I mean, I would think so. Well, if they if they hold it to the same standard, if they say that, look, you know, it's a it's a compromise the integrity of the game, you know, take take doing something illegal to gain a benefit. That's what steroids is and was, and and well, and like you said, it's it's almost even more of an advantage uh, to know what pitch is coming than it is, you know, to to do uh, HGH and that, so yeah, that's an interesting. Uh, that's an interesting thought. I'm not sure. I guess you know, like you said, years years down the road will tell. Um, they're still awfully young players, and also it was it was mainly around you know. Although several teams, I'm sure, were doing it. I don't know that it'll get the widespread. You know, if it's just you know, a handful of players from the Astros and maybe a couple of players from the other team. I don't know that it'll yeah. get this, uh, but maybe for those select few guys that are mainly named in it, maybe it will affect them later down the road. Yeah. The whole thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, we, um, this podcast, um, my sort of vision for it is to, you know, basically have it be 75 to 80% Cardinal baseball focused. And then of course, larger, MLB issues as well, but I've always also had in mind that I wanted to occasionally bring in some different things. I have a, another guest, a friend of mine who I want to talk a little Mizzou sports with, and uh, we've got about 15 minutes or so left or 10 to 15 left. Uh, You're the NFL scientist, Uh, (laughs) (laughs) self-proclaimed, self-proclaimed, but uh, I think in some ways, uh, worthy given your fantasy football success and um, uh, as much as you know closely as you follow the game let's just maybe give me some of your initial thoughts um, and then I'll uh, follow up with some of mine but you've got um, the first game on Sunday being Tennessee at Kansas City what uh, how you feeling about that game what what, what's your outlook what do you what do you like uh, first game is the game that I am looking forward to the most. Um, Titans, Kansas City. Um, 
I'm so interested to see how this game's going to play out. Now, these teams played earlier in the season, and Titans uh, squeezed it out the uh, last minute and actually beat Kansas City. Um, it's interesting, though. It's the, the reason it's such an interesting matchup is because how different these teams are. Um, when you look at yeah. uh, the way the Titans, their biggest strength is running the football. Kansas City's biggest weakness is stopping the run. And then Kansas City's, uh, you know, is, is known for their passing attack. And the Titans aren't terrible against the pass, but they're, it's definitely their, their weakest. Um, so it, if I had to go right now, I, I'm picking uh, Kansas City to win this game. Yeah. However, I do think it's going to be close. The spread opened up at uh, 7. It's still at 7. Um, that tells me that probably the, the money on this game is probably pretty even. Mm-hmm. Um, they're calling for a lot of points. It's, you know, opened up, it's 52. Now it's 52 and a half. Um, I think Kansas City wins this game, but I think uh, Tennessee is going <coughs> to keep it close and cover that uh, cover that yeah. seven points. I just think with their running attack, I don't think the Kansas City Chiefs can stop Tennessee's running game. Yeah. I could see this being a, you know, 31 to 28. You know, I could see Henry having 160, 180 yards. I just don't see Kansas City stopping uh, Tennessee's running attack. But um, the home field advantage does mean something in the NFL. Um, I think Kansas City pulls it out, but I, I think the Titans keep it close. I think it's going to be a pretty close game, fairly high scoring too. I feel like um, I would go a slightly different take, only that I think that if if the Kansas City wins, I think it probably does go over. But I think the, the formula for the Titans to win this game would actually be a game that would stay under the over-under. It kind of feels like one of those classic oh, – for sure. It kind of feels like one of those classic um, games where, as a road team, if they can limit – if they can hog the time of possession, you know, and basically get, keep uh, keep Mahomes and that Kansas City explosive offense off the field, you know, grind out some long drives – uh, shorten the game a little bit, and then you look at you know kind of you get a, a turnover or two perhaps. That's sort of the formula. It feels like one of those games where um, you know that's and even just being on the road in general. Like when you're on the road, that's that's a lot of times the formula you want to try to follow. Um, yeah, but it, it, that's that's the way it kind of feels to me. Um, no, and I and I agree with you. I didn't mean to say, you know, this is going to be a huge scoring game. I, I, I totally agree with your analysis. You know, I think Tennessee is going to run the ball, try to keep Kansas City's uh, offense off the field as much as possibly can. The only problem is, you know, with the run game, if, if Henry's breaking off, you know, 30, 20, has a big, huge run, you know, then you don't have the ball as long. But um, yeah. it, I, I just I, I don't see Kansas City stopping the run. And, uh, you know, whatever, however many points can be scored, who knows. But I wouldn't be shocked either either way on the as far as if you're looking at over-under. But I do think Tennessee is able to run the ball enough to keep it close. I just I just think Kansas City at home, I think it's their time. They've been so close. Um, their offense is, uh, you know, so dynamic. Yeah. I just think they, they find a way to pull it out. But I do, uh, I do think Tennessee covers that number. One other quick factor before we – spend a couple minutes on Green Bay San Fran is a you know sort of the head coaching thing you've got Vrabel who's kind of on the roll right now he, he's sort of getting uh, a little bit of that 
Bill Belichick uh, disciple treatment, and obviously he he beat Belichick along the way here. And then Andy Reid is actually a guy who has taken a little bit of perhaps unfair criticism and not necessarily being able to win the big one. Um, I mean, I don't know if you even think that's much of a factor, but I, it's something that crossed my mind thinking about the game. It's, it's a talking point, you know. There, I mean, Andy Reid has made some questionable uh, play calls and game calls uh, that uh, through through his history that, you know, but he's here again. He's a successful coach. He's a good coach. There's no doubt about it. You know, I don't know. Maybe it's just a media talking point to fill time on the air. But um, <laughs> I think it's somewhat valid. Um, but I, I would like to see him finally get there and uh, get that kind of proverbial monkey off his back. Yeah. Um, let's. We've got a, a few more minutes. Let's take a couple on – Kind of a in terms of franchise wise, a, a throwback classic matchup. You know, I think back to kind of maybe my teenage years. You had your Niners and the Packers, always, uh, you know, two teams fighting it out in the NFC. So, what uh, what are some initial thoughts you have on that game? All signs point to San Francisco winning this game. All signs point to San Francisco probably winning this game handedly. Um. I, there's just something about this game. I think Green Bay uh, not only not only covers the number. I think I, I think uh, what is the number? I, say I think I think Green Bay wins, finds a way and wins this game. What's the number? Uh, uh, opened at seven. It's seven and a half now. Okay. Uh, over under is forty six and a half. I think Green Bay definitely. Uh, well, I shouldn't say there's no definite, but. I think Green Bay covers number, but I, I think they uh, I think they find a way and win this game. Um, I don't know. I don't really have a great reason why. It's kind of just a gut feel. I just think uh, Packers. Now San Francisco played Green Bay earlier this year and you know killed them, but you know that was several several weeks ago. I just have a feeling this is going to be a little bit higher scoring game than most people think. I uh, be taking definitely the over uh, forty six and a half on this. And I think Green Bay finds a way and uh, and uh, wins it. I, yeah. I do. I, I before you started talking, I didn't really have a strong feeling about this game. But if I could help your opinion out a little bit, I would. You know, Aaron Rodgers, Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, right there. Uh, not that. Not trying to disparage Garoppolo, but uh, he's not a guy with a long track record of playoff success and. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is just a you know Hall of Famer, um, just one of the better quarterbacks to to play in our generation. So if you're going into a playoff game and you know you got that's your quarterback matchup, that's something to, to feel good about. I think also the Packers, or I'm sorry, the Niners to me have that feel of a team that's kind of maybe one year away. Um, they they burst on the scene. You know, I don't think um going back to sort of preseason prognostications and all that i don't think people uh, predicted no. or saw this coming that the niners were going to be and and i think uh you know to be honest i don't know exactly the average age of their roster compared to other teams i might be wrong when i say this but they just have a little bit of the feel of like a younger team who has had a taste of success this year uh but but perhaps um isn't ready to quite take that leap and that, and obviously with the Packers having a, maybe a little bit more of a veteran core and uh, a team that could uh, put, put the Niners down with the idea that, 
that maybe next year is really the year that the Niners can put it all together. So I know that's tough to say because each year when you reach the NFC championship game, I mean, you don't want to think about uh, next year. But uh, No, and to your point, too, Green Bay is kind of the opposite. They're kind of like quiet. They haven't really been – even though they had a good record this year, they kind of haven't been talked about. No one really kind of thought of them as a Super Bowl contender. They're just kind of just laying back in the weeds, just kind of, you know – I don't know. I just I just have a feeling about this game. Uh, and and, I, and for uh, any conspiracy conspiracy theorist out there, you know, wouldn't the NFL rather have uh, Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes uh, <laughs> yeah. Super Bowl? I mean, that'd be a little bit more spicy than the Titans, you know, Niners. Yep. Yeah, it would. Well, Scott, uh, we are on the recording side of things. We've got just about three minutes, and I know, uh, talking before this, that you. Uh, Need to keep things tight today to about an hour. So we will uh, kind of finish things up. We had talked about maybe getting into some TV talk. You and I are uh, fans of uh, TV and movie, uh, TV and the big screen and kind of analyzing different movies. And I had a question for you, but we'll um, we'll probably save that for next time and maybe try to uh, make sure we build in, uh, you know, a little time to, to, to make sure that we can actually go a bit deeper into some of those topics. But um, for today, what we'll do is close things up. Um, and uh, as I said at the beginning, I really do appreciate doing it in this format with you. It's It feels much uh, more natural to me. I think that the conversation uh, is much more genuine and flows better. So we will for those of you who decide to give this a listen, you know, we're going to keep doing this. We do welcome feedback. Um, you know, feel free to get in contact with me through Facebook or Twitter, uh, which are the main two platforms where I post this. Uh, if you have some feedback, if you're, there are topics you'd want to hear us cover, we, we would be more than happy to, to hear that kind of feedback. Um, Scott, you, Two minutes. Do you have any closing comments, closing remarks? No, just uh, looking forward to uh, the, these football games tomorrow. Um, that's really into that. Um, it's kind of my you reference my fantasy. I do a lot of uh, daily fantasy too on DraftKings, which yep. I love doing. Um, so I'm I'm looking forward to that. The NFL season, the um, golf season starting up, which I'm a big big into golf, and then obviously uh, all the all the hot stove baseball stuff and baseball yeah. season come around. Uh, can't get here soon enough because we're coming up on the most boring month, yeah, month of the year with so many sports being gone. So yeah, I'm just uh, looking forward to football games and hopefully they're good ones. And hopefully we get a, a Arenado for a cheap price. Uh, yeah, well, hell yeah. Hopefully our next podcast we're talking about lineup possibilities with with Arenado in there. Also, doesn't Conor McGregor fight tonight, or is that still another week away? I believe that's a week away, but I'm okay. not as huge in the UFC, yeah. so I'm not uh, not exactly sure when did that. Me, fight. yeah, me either. But when McGregor fights, I kind yeah, of that's uh, must watch. take that's notice. Must watch. <laughs> okay, well, um, so thanks again for listening. This is Long Gone, the podcast with Ryan Hetzer and Scott Hetzer. Uh, that's all for now.